MSW Media. News with swearing. Daily beans, daily beans. Daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Monday, February 22nd, 2021. Today, the hits keep coming for Roger Stone as the Department of Justice eyes a full-blown criminal investigation into his role in the siege on the Capitol. The confirmation hearings for Merrick Garland begin today. Trump inaugural donor Zuberi gets 12 years in prison for campaign finance, Farah, and obstruction charges. Eric Prince faces scrutiny for violating the arms embargo against Libya. And a lawyer fighting to overturn the election has been referred for potential discipline. I'm A.G., And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hey, did you have a good weekend, Dana? How are you? Yeah, it was a chill weekend. Um, I am. I'm good. I am hanging in there. I, if I sound funny during this episode to the listeners, it's or subdued. It's it's been a bad pain day. Um, my body's feeling its age, and I have a couple of ribs that are not cooperating and staying where they should be. Yeah. So, but other than that, thanks, sweetheart. Yeah. Other than that, I'm doing well. Um, sun's shining, wind's blowing a little bit, not my favorite, but you know, I have nothing to complain about, especially, uh, because other parts of this country are still recovering from mother nature. So things are, things are good. Things are good. Yeah. And, um, it's, it's been an interesting weekend with everything going on from, you know, Ted Cruz getting caught, going to Cancun, lying and saying he was always planning on coming back early. Now he's doing some photo ops of him, like carrying some bottled water. water. Yeah. Um, after <laughs> after uh, Beto and um, AOC and just uh, Castro, like have raised hundreds of thousands, four million dollars in in AOC's case to to help yeah. the people of Texas. It's just been a really interesting weekend, especially the re- Republicans saying, oh, they're just trying to m- help people so that they can look good to further their political careers. And I'm like, well, right. Isn't that how that worked? Like, isn't that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> isn't that how you get people to vote for you? <laughs> right. Like these jerks being nice all the time, trying to get people to like them and stuff. It's like, well, you know. it is ridiculous. Um, I do think it's funny though, that the people of Texas and not obviously the listeners to this podcast, but the very red, um, Republicans uh, had to have a liberal, a liberal progressive from New York City raise four million dollars for them, and uh, which is a super socialist thing to do, by the way. <laughs> so it's just you know it's just interesting. I think it, this goes with any other topic as you don't really pay attention until it hits home, and this hit home for a lot of Republicans in Texas, and I hope it opened their eyes to the utterly failed people and leadership they have in their state. Yeah, yeah. Somebody was like, oh, we can have a helicopter on Mars, but Texas can't have water. And someone tweeted, yeah, because scientists are in charge of Mars and Republicans are in charge of Texas. Nice. That's that's why (laughs) those things are happening. But yeah, you're right about it hitting home. So... Uh, we've got so just that news. We've got a couple another breaking story about one of the Oath Keepers I'll talk about here uh, in a minute. And um, two days this week uh, will be the Merrick Garland hearings. So and then, excited. And that that's in the Judiciary Committee. And then a full vote is expected March 1st. Investigations into the insurrection expand as well as the Manhattan DA's investigation into Trump's finances. 
Ellie Honig is going to join me later to talk about those investigations. And then, Dana, you and I will be live, uh, as always, on Thursdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 Eastern on the Stereo app. Uh, and then uh, I will also be live on Tuesdays with Andrew Torres to answer your legal questions. And that's Tuesdays at 5 Pacific. So definitely download the free stereo app. Follow us at DG Comedy and at Allison Gill. If you don't have um, an account set up, you just go to Stereo.com slash Allison Gill and it'll walk you through the steps. Uh, it's a pretty simple, free thing to do. really helps us out. We'd appreciate it if you could. And um, we do have a bunch of news to get to. So, let's- so much. So many things happened over the weekend. Let's do it. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. So lead story today is that someone with inside information has told the New York Times that the Department of Justice is looking into the communications between Roger Stone and members of the Oath Keepers that participated in the attack on the Capitol. According to the Times, Justice Department officials have debated for weeks whether to open a full investigation into Roger. Uh, the person that the, that's according to this one person, while Stone spoke at an incendiary rally a day before the attack and had right wing extremists act as his bodyguards and they stood outside the Capitol. Those actions themselves are not specifically crimes, but now they're looking at the communications between the Oath Keepers and Stone. A day after the Capitol assault, Mike Sherwin, that's the U.S. attorney in Washington, you know, D.C. U.S. attorney, told reporters he would not rule out pursuing charges against Trump or his associates for their possible role in inciting or otherwise encouraging the mob. He said, we are looking at all actors, not only the people who went into the building. That's according to Sherwin, and asked whether such targets would include Trump, who exhorted supporters during uh, a rally near the White House January 6th at the Ellipse, telling them they could never take back our country with weakness. Sherwin said, and, and stood by his statement, we're looking at all actors, he said. If the evidence fits the elements of a crime, they're going to be charged. Now, another member of Sherwin's office appeared to walk back those remarks soon after, suggesting people in Trump's orbit were unlikely to be investigated. Do you remember when people were saying, oh, the the D.C. U.S. attorney is not going to investigate Trump. They're not going to investigate Trump. That was based on this walk back. But Sherwin later has said he stood by his original statements. So that was a rumor. So it is feasible. Uh, and then, of course, we've got, you know, Merrick Garland coming in. I'll be discussing this in Woo-hoo. more detail with Ellie Honig later in the show. Now, here's a, a fascinating breaking story. Now, this story actually came out Saturday, but it was updated just today on Sunday. One of the leaders of the Oath Keepers claims she was given a VIP pass to the pro-Trump rally at the Ellipse on January 6th and that she met with Secret Service agents and was providing security for legislators, uh, among others, including some other other high-profile people uh, to, like, escort them to their march to the Capitol. And that's according to a new court filing. Now, attorneys for the Ohio Oath Keeper, this is Jessica Watkins, detail how efforts among the paramilitants who are now accused of conspiracy were closer to the apparatus around then-President Donald Trump than previously known. Uh, by sharing these new details in a filing Saturday, defense attorney for Watkins, uh, f- who is a former army ranger who served in Afghanistan, argued for her release from jail on bond uh, as she awaits trial. He says, quote, on January 5th and 6th, Miss Watkins was present not as an insurrectionist, but to provide security to the speakers at the rally, to provide escort for the legislators and others to march to the Capitol as directed by Trump, and to safely escort protesters away from the Capitol to their vehicles and cars at the conclusion of the protest. That's according to the court filing. She was given a VIP pass to the rally. She met with Secret Service agents. She was within 50 feet of the stage during the rally to provide security for the speakers. Now, the Secret Service, uh, in response to this claim, said uh, they 
didn't talk to any private citizens. We weren't working with any private citizens to, to provide security on January 6th. Um, the Justice Department, which is prosecuting this case, has not yet responded to her claims. These claims, we haven't seen a filing from the Justice Department on this yet. Uh, but she, uh, Watkins, is central to one of the most aggressive criminal conspiracies uh, yet to come out of the insurrection. The Justice Department indicted her and eight others uh, of the Oath Keepers on several charges relating to the riot, including allegations they coordinated their travel, discussed training and weapons beforehand, suited up in body armor, and broke through the crowd. She was part of that stack with hands on shoulders of the paramilitary geared up people walking up the Capitol steps. Uh, but her attorney argued in the filing she she isn't alleged to have been violent, uh, though she is charged with aiding and destruction of property. Uh, but he says she didn't participate in any vandalism and she encouraged others not to. Now, prosecutors have said Watkins had waited for the directions from Trump and believed she had received them before she joined the siege. Um, she allegedly led several others into the Capitol building to fight against Congress's certification. Watkins' defense attorney wrote Saturday her client and other supporters had believed Trump would invoke the Insurrection Act and use the military to overturn what he falsely said was a fraudulent election. And Watkins and others believed they would have a role in that if it were to happen. It's amazing how many people got brainwashed from this man. Yeah. Unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, the Watkins attorney says she, the only reason she was wearing tactical gear was to defend herself. And the only reason she walked up the Capitol steps with the other Oath Keepers in a stack formation was because they wanted to stay together in the crowd. Now, the attorney has noted Watkins faces risks in jail, is trying to argue that she'd be let out on bond because of coronavirus and because she's transgender. She's been detained since her arrest in mid-January, uh, and the Justice Department is seeking to keep her in jail pending trial. We'll see what happens. Um, I mean, we talked about this just briefly. Her being transgender puts her in a tremendous amount of danger, uh, depending on which jail they would send her to if she if she was um, found guilty of the crimes that she's being accused. Um, yeah, it is very interesting. I also find it interesting, to be honest with you, that a group like the Oath Keepers, and maybe I'm making a stereotype that I apologize for, but I'm sort of shocked that they welcomed a transgender um person into their group they seem very white supremacist you know boys club so it's interesting to me it's an interesting question right is yeah, what did yeah. they know and say well yeah but they did tours in afghanistan or did they not know or you know or did they and were were there problems i mean it's it's an interesting question and I, i'm sure we'll hear more about it as the case goes on. Yeah, very, very interesting story. Thank you, AG. Um, and a UN report uh, obtained from Reuters indicates former Blackwater CEO and Trump ally Eric Prince may have violated the arms embargo on Libya by proposing a private military operation known as Project Opus to Libya's eastern base commander Khalifa Haftar in April of 2019 and helping procure three aircraft for it. Prince is just a bad Guy, God, what a piece of shit. Um, an aide to Prince in the, in the aircraft uh, procurement originally tried to get them from Jordan, but the sale would require the approval of the U.S. government. Obviously, that wasn't going to happen. The Jordanians were told that they had clearance from the highest levels in the U.S., but the Jordanian government smelled a rat and declined to participate. Probably a very good idea. Prince's partner then went to South Africa to procure the arms. 
So the key is whether Prince utilized his relationship to Trump. That's what they're wondering on this, and that's where they're going to try and connect the dots. A source told the Times that Prince's partner Durant actually phoned the White House several times in July of 2019 after they had run into trouble with the Jordanians. Now, another clue Trump could have been involved is that Trump reversed the NATO and U.S. position and openly endorsed the Libyan opposition attack on Tripoli, just four days after Prince made his pitch to the opposition leader for the $80 million mercenary operation. So we know just from past stuff that Prince is very, very close with Donald. So whether Prince will face sanctions is up in the air because he no longer has any allies in the White House, that's for sure. The Biden administration may not want to penalize an American when others have done far worse. So Prigozhin has ties to mercenaries fighting in Libya and Turkey and is a major uh, violator of the arms embargo. So the big question left unanswered by the UN report is who was funding the Arab Prince operation in Libya? So most officials say it's likely the UAE because of the numerous offices, bank accounts, and shell companies owned by mercenaries in the UAE. So that's where they think that's coming from. Pretty big clue. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, why would you think so? There's only three very specific things there, AG. So uh, as with previous UN investigations, the Emiratis refused to cooperate with requests for information about the operation involving Mr. Prince and the mercenaries. So this will be interesting as it unfolds. You called beans on this a long time ago, AG, is what I remember. So you're, cause you're sort of batting a thousand on this guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, 100% UAE is backing this and... It'll be interesting to see. I want to know if I, I feel like Eric Prince was somehow involved in the insurrection, too, but we still haven't seen anything or heard anything about that. Um, but it, it, he I'm I'm waiting also to see if it runs afoul what, what he did by violating the, you know, the arms embargo on Libya, if it runs afoul of any U.S. criminal statutes, maybe. Maybe Durant fi- uh, violated the, the Foreign Agents Registration Act when he called the White House to see if he could get approval to buy aircraft from the Jordanians to assist a coup in Tripoli. Like, <laughs> what the fuck is even happening? And he's like, yeah, sure, sounds great, sounds good. And then four days later, he comes out in favor of the other side. Now, it's just, it's bananas. And it's also, I'm, I'm interested to see how the new Department of Justice and the Treasury, of course, uh, who, the Treasury is the, the, you know, the agency that manages the United States OFAC list for sanctions. And I'm interested mm. to see how they handle Eric Prince. Absolutely. It'll be, it'll be, fa- it'll be fascinating, I think. And speaking of the Department of Justice, Merrick Garland's confirmation hearings begin today. Woo-hoo! They began in the Senate Judiciary Committee. I know, me too. And unlike what happened five years ago, he faces little to no obstacles at this time. The Justice Department is still reeling from political scandals from the Trump years and racing to neutralize the threat from homegrown violent extremists who participated in the siege of the Capitol. Over a legal career that spans 44 years, Garland has confronted those kinds of problems before. He, it's one of the many reasons the White House selected him to serve this time. His opening statement was released earlier this weekend and includes the following passages of note. He said, first he thanks his family. He's just a very sweet man. Um, then he, spe- he goes on to say, before I became a judge almost 24 years ago, a significant portion of my professional life was spent at the Justice Department as a special assistant to Ben Civiletti, the last of the trio of post-Watergate attorneys general. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting that he references Civiletti in the post-Watergate attorneys general. Mm-hmm. He was a line assistant U.S. attorney as a supervisor in the criminal division then and then finally as a senior official uh, in the deputy attorney general's office. 
Well, then he says, from 1995 to 1997, I supervised the prosecution of the perpetrators of the bombing of the Oklahoma City Federal Building, who sought to spark a revolution that would topple the federal government. If confirmed, I will supervise the prosecution of white supremacists and others who stormed the Capitol on January 6th, a heinous attack that sought to disrupt a cornerstone of our democracy, the peaceful transfer of power to a newly elected government. So if you take a listen to the discussion I had with Glenn Kirshner last week, we spoke about how Merrick Garland is the perfect man for this moment because of his history prosecuting the KKK and domestic terrorists like the Oklahoma City bombing. And here he's mentioning it in his opening statement for his confirmation hearings. Uh, And he's doing it in the same breath as he mentions the insurrectionists. And he does it just a paragraph after he mentions the post-Watergate attorneys general. It seems very clear to me he is here to fucking clean up this town. And I'm really excited about it. Oh, my God. Me too. um, Just absolutely fascinating. And you know they're shitting. Oh, Donald is shitting in his diaper. Absolutely right now. They are all starting to freak out. And if you're Mm -hmm. wondering what that noise is, it might be paper shredders in the distance. That's probably what that is. Right. And it's not a normal, like, shit in his diaper, which he does all the time. It's it's an out of fear shit in his diaper. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But Ellie Honig and I are going to discuss this a little bit further later in the show. I expect Garland will be confirmed without incident. There's people out there like, oh, is they're going to delay it. Lindsay's going to wreck it. It won't ever be. No, there's nothing stopping. So... Don't worry. He'll be confirmed, I think, probably March 1st is my beans. I'm so glad that we can get this ball rolling. I'm I'm ready. I'm so, so ready. I know everyone's listening that are ready as well. Mm -hmm. Um, All right. This next uh, story, this is interesting. The guy who donated almost a million dollars to Trump's inaugural fund has been sentenced. Fantastic. (laughs) Imad Zuberi, who was accused of ingratiating himself with politicos in both major parties, both major parties and peddling the resulting influence to foreign governments. That sounds familiar. A few people have done that. Pleading guilty to charges of tax evasion, campaign finance violations, and failing to register as a foreign agent. Now, he was also ordered to pay nearly $16 million in restitution and nearly $2 million in fines. Federal prosecutors describe Zuberi, who reports to prison May 25th, as a mercenary political donor who gave to anyone he thought he could help him. That's it. Anyone thought could help him, not he could help. <laughs> Pay to play, he explained to clients, uh, was just how America works. He's just using the system. Now, prosecutors asked U.S. District Attorney Judge Virginia Phillips for a stiff sentence for this guy, calling the scope of Zuberi's scheme unprecedented. The Los Angeles businessman's crimes included unregistered lobbying for governments with spotty human rights records like Sri Lanka and Turkey, as well as Ukrainian oligarch close to Russian President Vladimir Putin. That's what the prosecutor said. So this guy has been working for some bad ones. Uh, Phillips noted the sophistication of Zuberi's straw donor scheme and also spoke of the role such campaign finance investigations play in preserving the integrity of American elections something we seem to be having a problem with uh, over the last five years. Uh, The sentence comes after former President Donald Trump, recent, I love its former president, ah, and (laughs) Elliot Broidy, and that's a major Trump fundraiser. So he's, this is, this has happened before, but he did not get one of the pardons. Zuberi's hefty sentence, quote, sent a loud message that we have to stop such conduct to restore the public faith in our institutions. That was Assistant U.S. Attorney Daniel O'Brien told the Associated Press. And I quote, this case shows that foreign influence extends well beyond what has been frequently discussed in public discourse. Now, Zuberi, who's 50, maintained that his wrongdoing had been limited and asked to be credited for years of cooperation with the federal and local law enforcement. 
His attorneys noted he already had paid more than $10 million in restitution. This guy's just giving away money, isn't he? Oh, my God. And they quote, I'm deeply sorry and, of course, humiliated. Uh, he said he told the judge that. I have no excuse for what I've done. Now, some of Zuberi's cooperation remains under seal, so he may be doing other things we don't know about. Phillips, citing national security interests, closed the courtroom for part of Thursday's proceedings to discuss classified information Zuberi filed in an effort to reduce his sentence. Mm. Hmm, what could that be? Zuberi's attorneys asked Phillips to credit him for a list of law enforcement leads and intelligence he provided to the federal government. Now, this is according to people familiar with the court filings. So, mm. this what, what are your beans, AG? You got mm. beans on this? Yes. My my beans are yes I do Dana because he has not been charged for the nine hundred thousand dollar straw donation he made to the Trump campaign he is being mm. charged for a million dollar donation he made to the Clinton campaign and the Obama campaign and for obstruction of justice and for Farah and a bunch of other things that you know campaign finance violations now the. Uh, open and ongoing investigation into the Trump inaugural, however, could mm. really probably benefit greatly by Zuberi's testimony. And I have a thousand percent beans on that is what is sealed. That is what we can't hear about because it's open and ongoing. He did make that $900,000 donation to the Trump campaign using straw donors of foreign money. And I bet he has... Uh, he knows how it was done. I bet he knows other people who did it. And uh, I bet we'll be able to link some uh, probably Russians directly to it. So interesting. We'll see. Interesting in as well. Mm, welcome, Merrick Garland. Entree. Oh, I can't wait. The most interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, that's just the most interesting part of this thing, right? Is like some of this is still under seal. Oh, really? Well, <laughs> we'll see. And I, um, it's I'm <laughs> we'll know, I think, within a year. Yeah. And I know that sounds like a long time, you all, but just hang in there. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. I still have, I have all my beans on the fact that this guy's going to go down for something. Mm -hmm. And speaking of open and ongoing, I'll be right back with Ellie Honig. We're going to discuss what's going on with Roger Stone and what it means to see sealed cases on the January 6th docket and also cases that are information. They say they're charged information. Uh, so he'll tell us what that means. Docket translations. You probably already know, because I think I've already talked about this on the show with regards to Steve Bannon. But hell, we're going to go over it anyway, so stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. In the next few months, our government will be transitioning, which means hiring personnel for critical positions. You know, filling roles like those, or any roles, can be very difficult. You need to find the right people for the jobs. What's the fastest, easiest way to do that? It's ZipRecruiter. And right now, you can try it free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Beans. ZipRecruiter does the work for you. When you post your job, ZipRecruiter sends it out to over 100 top job sites within one click. Then, their powerful matching technology finds people with the right skills and experience for your job, and they actively invite them to apply. So you get qualified candidates fast. It's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See for yourself. Right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Beans. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Beans. D-A-I-L-Y-B-E-A-N-S. Are you ready to build your team for 2021? Then go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Beans. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. 
Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I'm joined today by former federal and state prosecutor and host of the Third Degree podcast, Ellie Honig. Ellie, how are you? Very good. Thank you for having me once again. Now that I'm doing my own podcast, I, I, I see things from both sides of the mic um, <laughs> and appreciate what you do even more. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad that you're doing the Third Degree, by the way. I think it's Thanks. extremely important, um, the information that you're putting out. And I wanted to chat with you a little bit today because of obviously the, the multitudes of experience you have. I wanted to talk about Roger Stone because this weekend we learned that the Justice Department uh, is examining communications between right-wing extremists, the Oath Keepers, and, and Stone. And the Times says that if investigators find messages showing that Stone knew about or took part in those plans, that they would actually have a factual basis to open a full criminal investigation. Before, they only had the fact that he was being guarded by Oath Keepers and was seen with Oath Keepers that were then seen inside the Capitol. Can you talk a little bit about the uh, ability to open, or like what, what they mean by a factual basis to open a full criminal investigation now that they might have communications between Stone and this group? Right. So l- let me sort of boil it down to this. In order to open a criminal investigation out of DOJ, you need something. You don't need much, though, but you need something. There is a bar. It's a couple inches off the ground. It's not <laughs> It's not too hard to clear. But you can't just sort of take a shot out of nowhere because if, if you were allowed to do that, you could just go, well, here's a person I want to go after. Let me just start digging through their life and see if I can find something. That's, that's not how prosecutors ought to do things. That's not how prosecutors – do things. Um, and, and there are various manuals and guidance books that all sort of articulate this different different ways within DOJ. So you need something to go on. To me, you're almost there already. I mean, look, people can sort of differ in the way they interpret that requirement. But just the fact that Roger Stone, the, the, the things he said, the way he encouraged these groups, generally speaking, the fact that he was present, he reportedly was even physically present at the Capitol. I don't, uh, according to the reporting, he didn't necessarily go in, but he was there on the grounds. Um, and the way that he served as a sort of totemic leader for these uh, these people, to me, already gets – if I'm a prosecutor, I'm arguing right now to my chief or supervisor or criminal division chief or whoever. Like that's enough right there. Let's let's dig in and take a look. But you know, other people can be more conservative in the way they interpret that. Yeah. And, and out of curiosity, whose decision would it be or not be to, to – because right now we just have this, this acting attorney general. And then, of course, we have Mike Sherwin, right, the D.C. Mm-hmm. U.S. attorney. I would say – I mean, look, there's no set rule. It's sort of – it goes as high as the highest person who says, <laughs> I can make this decision. Um, but I would think a case like this, you would need to take it up to the U.S. attorney level. And by the way, the vast majority of these decisions, whether to open a case, don't go up to the U.S. attorney, especially in a large, busy office like the SDNY or D.C. I mean, usually it's up to the individual prosecutor. Maybe you consult with your, your unit chief. The bigger ones, maybe you go to the criminal division chief. And the really big ones, you go to the U.S. attorney. But I think given Roger Stone's profile, you would want to make sure the U.S. attorney was on board. The U.S. attorney would then have to make the decision whether to notify Maine Justice. The rule basically says if it's a particularly sensitive investigation. Now, there's a lot of play there. And at the SDNY, where I came from, we kind of specialized in interpreting that uh, in our own favor. So we didn't have to notify Maine Justice of almost anything. Um, but di- different offices have sort of different cultures. So I would I would feel confident that that a U.S. attorney, Michael Sherwin, in this case, would have to say, take a look at least. Well, I also wanted to ask you, because um, first of all, I think that's very interesting. I think there's enough, like I'm with you, I think there's enough to open this investigation into Roger Stone um, because of his proximity to the Capitol and his his you know in-depth sort of inner workings with these Oath Keepers. 
But I also wanted to ask you about um, Merrick Garland's uh, opening statement. He's been, you know, his confirmation hearing starts today in the Senate Judiciary. And his opening statement, he brought up some very interesting uh, points, kind of similar to the points he brought up when he was on TV after being nominated, brought up um, his experience with Ku Klux Klan prosecutions, Oklahoma City bombing, white terror, white nationalism, white, you know, domestic terrorism. Uh, and he brought those up in the same breath as the insurrection on January 6th. And, and to me, I don't I was wondering what your top line thoughts are. But for me, that I, it seems like he's very interested in a full throated investigation into the events of January 6th. Yeah, really interesting point that jumps off the page from his opening statement. I mean, who better to understand the threat of domestic terrorism than one of the lead supervisors of the Oklahoma City bombing um, and, and the Atlanta Olympic Park bombing as well? Um, and I think it, I give him a lot of credit. I think he's right to make that link between what he saw, what he prosecuted with respect to Oklahoma City and what we're seeing now, not just January 6th, but what, what could follow. I mean, obviously, we haven't had the you know, quite the level of carnage that we had from from Oklahoma City, which is just, you know, so ghastly when you think back on it. But I think he's right that, that the root here, this sort of anti-government extremist uh, sentiment is really what drove and motivated both things. And I, I, I think um, if you look at what happened January 6th, that's really the impetus that that drove those rioters into the Capitol. And, and you take that and you isolate it and you spread it out and you get to someone who's um, even more extreme and, and willing to do even something worse. And, and you could end up in a similar scenario. So I think it's important that he called that out and that he made clear he's going to be trying to uh, trying to investigate and prosecute any of this stuff, e- even preemptively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I also think it's important to note that if the current D.C. U.S. attorney, Mike Sherwin, who has been asked to resign, uh, by the Biden administration, even if they don't uh, open up or if they have already opened up and, and don't go f- too fully far into a, a investigation to Roger Stone, Alex Jones, Flynn, et cetera, that the new uh, whoever the U.S. attorney in, in the District of Columbia is going to be can can still examine that just because somebody decides not to prosecute something doesn't mean that the next uh, U.S. attorney, there's no double jeopardy rules. There. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, every every new U.S. attorney who will be taking office in the upcoming months will, will um, have to make his or her own decision about whether to, you know, what to do with any case. It's all it's all up to them. That's right. They're not bound by um, the decisions of their predecessor unless there's been a formal charge. But short of that, they can decide, go for it or not. Right. And and something else that's interesting, too, because I know you speak docket, uh, looking <laughs> at the dockets of a lot of these uh, folks that were arrested in in um, association with the, you know, the, the siege on the Capitol. Many of the uh, cases are sealed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there are a handful, there are a couple that say information. Yeah. Now, I know what that is. You know what that is. Can you tell people what that means? So the way that people get charged usually is an indictment. That means the grand jury has voted that there's probable cause to charge that that results in what we know is an indictment. And information is sort of like a voluntary indictment where the defendant, the person being charged, says, I agree to be charged by this. Usually it goes hand in hand with a guilty plea. It's usually I agree to be charged by this means and I agree to plead guilty. It's hard to put a number on it, but I would say more than 90 out of 100 times an information means the person is cooperating. Um, when you have somebody who's cooperating, you say, great. Um, sometimes they just plead guilty to the indictment as is, but sometimes you have to adjust the charges or add new charges. Um, or, or if you just basically um, get to somebody before they um, are before they are charged. So usually an information is a pretty good telltale that this person 
is cooperating. Mm-hmm. And sealed cases also could mean they're cooperating, but it could mean a host of any number of things, including their sensitive information in another investigation that's going on. Or, I mean, things could be sealed for any number of reasons. Yeah, exactly. Sealed means uh, the judge has access to it. The parties have access to it, but the public does not. Cooperation is a common reason, like you said, but also it could be um, they're trying to preserve the confidentiality of another investigation, uh, avoid tipping somebody else off. But yeah, but both of those things, I would say, are highly correlated, let's say, with cooperation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and generally, uh, well, I don't want to speculate what they, any <laughs> of these potential cooperation agreements could be, but it's just I think it's interesting that a lot of them are Oath Keepers that hung out with Roger Stone. Well, let me say this. In general, you, you can't cooperate and then offer nothing. Right. No prosecutor is <laughs> right. going to no prosecutor is going to cooperate. You, if you come in and go, it was just me and the other people who you already arrested. You're, you're going to go, OK, that doesn't really do anything for us. So cooperation requires what prosecutors call and what, what the documents call substantial assistance, meaning you have to help us make cases against others. Theoretically, I guess that could mean you're going to testify against the other people who you're already charged with. But the vast majority of times prosecutors already have those folks and, and are looking for somebody else, somebody new, somebody more. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, because you and I had talked about this before in the Mueller investigation. It's generally a bigger fish that they're going after when they're when you get a cooperating witness. Yeah, ideally, you do. We used to say you you, you want to cooperate up the chain. You, you want to cooperate <laughs> a lower ranking player against a higher ranking player. It doesn't always work out that way, but that's that's the preferred scenario. Yeah, definitely. Especially when they're looking at conspiracy charges. So, right. Uh, all right. I, I do have to take a quick break. I just have a couple more questions for you about Cy Vance and what he's what he's doing. Do you mind sticking around for a minute? Of course. Great. Thanks so much, everybody. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. It's AG. And this Helping of Daily Beans is brought to you by the best mattress in the universe, Helix. And uh, the people at Helix sleep. We've had trouble sleeping over the past four years. I tossed and turned all the time. I thought it was just because of the anxiety about the politics and who was in the White House. But as it turns out, my mattress was not customized for my sleep needs. But then I found Helix Sleep. They understand that you're unique and they customize your mattress to fit you in the way you sleep best. Helix Sleep created a sleep quiz that takes two minutes to complete. They use those answers to match your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. So if you like a mattress that's soft or firm, or if you sleep on your side or your stomach, or you sleep really hot like I do, with Helix, there's a specific mattress for each and everyone's unique taste. I was matched with the Helix Midnight because I like my bed medium firm and I sleep on my side, so it was perfect for me. But you don't have to take my word for it. Helix was awarded number one best overall mattress pick of 2019 and then again in 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. So just go to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans, take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. They have a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it out for 100 nights, risk-free, and they'll pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you definitely will. And Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders for listeners at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. That's helix, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com slash dailybeans for up to $200 off. Everybody, welcome back. We're talking to former federal and state prosecutor and host of the Third Degree podcast, Ellie Honig. And Ellie, before the break, we were talking about Roger Stone and sedition and conspiracy and all that good stuff. Now I want to move over to what Cy Vance, Cy Vance made a couple of big moves uh, mm-hmm. over the just the last three or four days. Uh, first, and I just want your top line thoughts. First is uh, he subpoenaed a property tax agency. Uh, in New York, and uh, were you know the Times is assuming that that ha- this has something to do with the part of the investigation that that Vance is conducting into looking into potential tax fraud. Is that some? Is that kind of how you see it? 
Yeah, I think that's the logical conclusion here. The underlying theory, it seems, that Syvance is pursuing with respect to taxes is that the Trump organization systematically and, and intentionally deflated the value of their assets, claimed they were worth less than they actually were in order to deflate their tax bill. So a subpoena like this is certainly consistent with that line of inquiry. And and something else that they got, they went after, were the, some, the plans of the Seven Springs Estates property. Sure. And I think what was going on with that is is that um, Donald Trump realized an easement credit, meaning he he bought a bunch of really great property and didn't not did not develop it, and therefore was going to get a get he did get tax credits on it. Uh, and so now they have they've subpoenaed the plans to Seven Springs Estates, and we know that his family uses it personally. So I think that this is just another kind of uh, step in the investigation of looking into tax fraud again. Yeah, I think that's right. And and the key here, the, the tricky part for the prosecutors is going to be sort of penetrating through all the layers of paperwork and lawyers and accountants, because a common defense in this kind of case is, is what they call advice of, of counsel, meaning defendants can and, and at times do say, well, I ran this by my lawyer and my lawyer said it was OK. Now, that's not necessarily a, a, a get out of jail free card. You have to show that it was fairly reasonable. I mean, you can't say, oh, my lawyer said it was OK if I robbed that bank. I mean, everybody knows that's right. that's ridiculous. <laughs> right. But when you get into issues of tax law, and accounting, it can be complicated because most jurors are sitting there thinking, boy, geez, this is stuff I rely on on experts for. Um, and that to me is going to be the biggest um, the biggest obstacle for Cy Vance in bringing these charges. Mm, right. So they could say, hey, we didn't know that you had to, you know, if you didn't develop the property, you couldn't use it for personal. You know, we, we got this advice from our, our tax accountants. So I, I'm assuming that that might be what they're looking for from, say, something like Mazars, who may have told them point blank, you cannot do this. Right. I mean, a lot of times you're looking for, is there an opinion letter? Is there an absence of an opinion letter? What does the letter say? Did they go beyond it? That kind of thing. Yep. That's really interesting because that intent is going to be what's necessary to bring those charges that would hold up on appeal. And, and I think right. are we're still waiting for Supreme Court's decision on Mazars, are we not? <laughs> the second time through, yes. we. Donald Trump has somehow lost five times in the federal courts and still not quite lost yet. He lost all three times district court, court of appeals and Supreme Court on this absolute immunity idea that you can't investigate the sitting president, which would be moot now anyway. Um, but the Supreme Court said you can try again on all the other defenses. And so he, he's now in round two. He, he lost at the district court. He lost at the court of appeals. And he's trying to get it to the Supreme Court on this emergency basis. The Supreme Court's taking forever in ruling on that emergency petition. But but they're going to lose. I mean, Donald Trump's going to lose. They're going to they're going to have to comply. Mazars is going to have to comply with this subpoena. It's just a question of how long this is going to drag out. Yep. And he 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 was able to successfully run the whole clock out on his entire presidency on, and on, on yeah. a lot of things. Finally, right up your alley here. Uh, it appears that Cy Vance has hired former white collar prosecutor Pomerantz. Can you tell us what you know about Pomerantz and why this is significant? A lot of people are saying that this signals that they think they're going to trial. I I don't quite go that far. So Mark Pomerantz is an SDNY alum. I, I did not overlap with him. He was before me, and then he was one of the best, sort of most respected defense lawyers out there in the defense bar. I, I read a couple things into this. And remember the landscape here. Cy Vance is on his way out. He, that, that position, Manhattan DA, is up for election in 2021. It's, almost, it, it's all but certain Cy Vance is not running again. There's this group of 10 or so candidates who are vying for the Democratic nomination, which will almost certainly win the seat given given Manhattan's electorate. 
So it's complicated, right? What do you do if you're Cybance? Do you make a, a decision, charge or not charge, before the new person arrives? Do you do you leave it for the new person? I think by appointing Pomerantz or hiring Pomerantz, what he's what he's doing is a couple things. One, he, he's definitely bringing a level of expertise to the investigation that may not already exist in that office. Few people have the level of expertise that Mark Pomerantz has. Two, I think he's perhaps um, providing a bridge to, for that transition to whoever follows him late this year after his election. Um, I, I don't necessarily, I just, I, people I think went a little far in saying that settles it. Pomerantz is definitely charging and trying this thing. I mean, Pomerantz is going to have to do what prosecutors do and, and he won't put himself in, a, in an impossible situation of bringing a charge that he just cannot support. I, but I think on the same token, if he sits down with all the evidence and gets everything he wants and needs and is confident there's a charge there, I have no question he will charge it. So I think you're almost depoliticizing it in a good way for really everybody involved by bringing in this essentially expert outsider to handle it. Mm, that's a really interesting way of looking at it. I hadn't seen that um, that 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 take yet. So I'm glad that you I'm glad that you told us about that because yeah, I mean, it seems to me the evidence is the evidence, right? And they they've got a ton of it, and whether they have those, they have enough to to go forward or not, doesn't necessarily matter who brings the charges. The charges are the charges, right? It's just sort of that sort of expert, and also I really that's a, a fascinating. Um, thought about it being a bridge to whoever the next Manhattan district attorney is. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, and, and I will say, I, I do, it seems fairly clear that there was manipulation of the finances, um, upward and downward. The, the question is going to be how much of that can you put on who, right? And, and I mentioned before the advice of counsel and the advice of accountants kind of thing, but who's signing off? How much does everybody know? Um, and, and people who are sort of CEO types like Donald Trump with the Trump org often claim that I wasn't I was not involved at that level of nitty gritty. Of course, Michael Cohen, um, who I think will be the star, has himself said in response to something I said on air the other day, I said he could be a star witness. Michael then retweeted, I, I will be the star witness, um, <laughs> has said publicly in his testimony before Congress that Donald Trump knew about every penny that came into and out of that organization. So I guess we shall see. Yeah, but you definitely need that documentary evidence to back it up, as we saw what happened with Rick Gates. Nobody took his testimony seriously in the Manafort trial. Everyone just went by the paperwork. So. Yep, yep. Uh, all right, well, thank you so much. Tell everyone where they can find your new podcast called The Third Degree. Yeah, we are on Apple, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, everywhere you can find podcasts. And I will say, the way we're doing it is uh, 10 minutes for me each Monday and Wednesday on whatever you need to know. And then every Friday, I'm being joined by a law student co-host. We, we toured the country and identified three fantastic young law students who sit in with me and sort of like you and me, AG, bounce things back and forth. And uh, it's a blast. We just did our first of those episodes this past Friday with a brilliant NYU student. So uh, check out those on Fridays as well. So awesome. Thanks so much, former federal state prosecutor Ellie Honig. I appreciate your time today. Thanks, AG. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hey, everybody. It's AG for The Daily Beans, and this segment of the podcast is sponsored by Monk Pack. They have cracked the code when it comes to making snacks that taste amazing, but have close to no sugar. I'm always on the lookout for delicious, healthy snacks. I try to eat better, but snacking always gets me. And usually the healthier the snacks are, the worse they taste, and they don't fill you up either. But now I have found Monk Pack keto nut and seed bars. They contain less than one gram of sugar, two to three grams of net carbs, and they're only 150 calories. They're great for anyone following a keto lifestyle and the perfect snack for anyone who wants to eat better or cut back on sugar and carbs without sacrificing taste. 
The Mung Pak Keto Nut and Seed Bars have the perfect balance of sweet and salty and crunch from those whole nuts and seeds, but they manage to be soft and chewy. They're so delicious. And they come in a lot of flavors, too. you got pecan almond, sea salt dark chocolate, and peanut butter dark chocolate. My favorite right now is the peanut butter dark chocolate. It's so delicious. And they're packed with protein. They're filling and they're satisfying, perfect for a quick snack to indulge your sweet tooth without any guilt. In addition to being keto-friendly, they're gluten-free, plant-based, non-GMO, no soy, no trans fats, no sugar alcohols, or artificial flavors. So enjoy Monk Pack Keto Nut and Seed Bars while working or running errands. I take them in my little pack on bike rides with me. Try for yourself and you'll see. And we have a special deal for listeners. Get 20% off your first purchase of any Monk Pack product by visiting monkpack.com and entering our code DAILYBEANS at checkout. To get started, just go to monkpack.com. That's M-U-N-K-P-A-C-K.com. Select any product and then enter code DAILYBEANS at checkout to save 20% off your purchase. Monk Pack. Good food you can count on, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we'll float on good news is on the way. All right, if you have some good news to share with us, please, please send it to us. You can do that along with confessions or corrections or disputes you want settled in Amy's court or moments that you've had where you realize that you were completely wrong and it's embarrassing and hilarious. <laughs> you could send any of those <laughs> into us at dailybeanspod.com and click in contact. So uh, please send any photos if you want. This, I, I'm loving, uh, Dana, I know I said this on Friday, but I'm loving people's happy place photos. I really am. Oh, I know. All of it. This all brings so much joy after all of the news, uh, even good and bad news. This is still just like a nice palate cleanser before you go on with your night. It is. It's absolutely great. So let's kick it off. Let's start with Kelly, pronoun she and her. Hello, beans, queens. My good news is that after two very busy weeks at work, I finally gave myself permission to just relax for the weekend and not work for a few days. It's a small but not small thing these days. Even better, it allowed me to catch up on all the episodes I've missed in the last week's confession. When I get this far behind, I honestly mostly just skip to the good news. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) okay. Uh, It was especially great to hear my own submission from a long while ago. I had mostly forgotten. Even though it's very delayed, I wanted to respond to AG's question and share that my camp name was Sharpie, which came about because I was the kid who was so cool, weird, that my hairstyle from grade six through eight was a ponytail with mini Sharpies tied into my hair ties. (laughs) Yeah, That's amazing. I still cringe over most of my decisions at that age, but hey, my Sharpie collection remains unreasonably large, so shrug. I worked at summer camp Pigsa, no, Pisga, Camp Pisga in Brevard, North Carolina. I also taught canoe and kayaking at weekend campouts and my council during the year. The camp I grew up at was Okanichi. Okanichi. I got it right. Okay, also in North Carolina, which sadly closed just before I became a counselor, and but will always have in my heart. As much as I love Girl Scout camp, I ended up working for my county summer day camp for most of my years in college as they had a phenomenal therapeutic recreation program. We had fully inclusive and accessible camp for kids with all kinds of physical and developmental disabilities, and it was the most wonderful experience. Many of our kids have been kicked out of typical camps like the Y, and it was so wonderful to be able to give them and their families access to a magic summer. It really made my day to learn you're a fellow summer camp alum, AG. There's nothing quite like it. For pet tax, I've attached a photo that recently popped up in my memories uh, for a day a few years ago when I walked into a classroom at the nursing school where I worked to find a student had brought her dog and an entire litter of puppies for class relaxation before a big simulation. It was so good. The pic shows a few of the floofs, not including the one that was definitely in my arms when I took the picture. 
So sweet. Look at the corgi. Oh god, they're so cute. Oh. Okay, you take the next. You take the next two. You got it, honey. Oh god, they're adorable. All right, this next one is anonymous, but the pronouns are he and him. Hey, all, I just heard the Doxy Hawawa exchange. (laughs) (laughs) So funny. It's one of the common names. Uh, The majority of the community calls them Chweenies. That makes sense. Uh, the photo is of my Chewini Thor. He is like a dachshund on stilts and weighs 20 pounds. Oh, my goodness. That is hysterical. Aww. Oh, look at the baby. Stinking out tongue enjoying the sunshine. Thank you for that one, Anonymous. All right. Chewini, Chewini. I was like, doxy Oh, this is our game. Here we go. This is from Carly. Pronoun she and her. I have a dog to submit for the mystery mixed breed. This is Ruger. Rue for short. Now. I think Ruger's got Dalmatian and perhaps Shepherd from the face. I I see a I see pointer. I see like a pointer, shepherd, and what are the blue ones? The blue The blue healer. The blue healer, because of those dots. That I think they're yeah. more like blue healer dots. Um all right. I I'll give you that. Usually blue healers have them on their no, they're all over. All right, well, you're going with okay. You'll um you'll have to uh, settle this first, Carly. Uh, Ag's going with Blue Healer Shepherd Pointer, and I'm going with Shepherd Dalmatian mix. <laughs> I wonder if she even knows. She's just like, just I don't even know. You tell me. I know that's really funny. She's <laughs> she's like, got me. All right, well, yeah, and 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 include if you have the answer, if you know the answer. Oh include, yeah, that would be helpful. Include the answer. Put it at the end of the uh, photos, or just include the answer and uh, our. The, our producer who puts these together will make sure to put the answer at the end so that we don't... Yeah, cheat. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, All you. All right. Next up from D, pronouns she and her. Hey, AGDG and Amy, I love the Daily Beans. I listen to it as I do my morning workout. Good news. My mom received her second Moderna vaccine. Hubby has received one as he is a school volunteer. I work alone in my basement studio with a cat, so I'll probably be among the last. I have a cat tale about cats getting into spots where they don't belong. My basement studio has a drop ceiling, and the furnace room has an open ceiling exposing the floor rafters. Normally, we keep the door closed, but had a repair person leave it open. My cat, Addie, took that opportunity to jump into the rafters. I was working in my office and heard a noise above me in the drop ceiling. Up on a stool I go, and I remove a ceiling tile to see my cat staring back at me. (laughs) Now, she thought this was a game and kept running from me up in the ceiling as I continued to remove tiles to get her. Sounds like a video game. I finally gave up and went back to work. About an hour later, I heard a kathunk behind me. She jumped down onto my sewing table. Then she walked by me with her nose in the air, off to the food bowl, I assume. She is my constant daily companion in the studio when she's not warming herself by the fireplace. Oh, what a beautiful picture reaching out. What a honey. That is good news. That is such good news. My um Dana, my good news, my both my parents got their first dose yesterday. I saw that. Congratulations. I it, I didn't expect me to hit me so hard emotionally that like yeah. I mean, yes, you need both shots, then you need to wait two weeks, but even just having that initial shot prevents you from, you know, getting severe can prevent you from getting severe symptoms. I feel like they're safe now, you know. Absolutely. And they're starting to say both vaccines, um, they're, they're realizing in, in most people that it has a 92% efficacy from the first shot. So they're in good space. That's wonderful, wonderful, wonderful news. Um, all right. This next one's from Roger pronouns he and him. 
Roger here. He, him. <laughs> Hi, AG and DG. I really enjoyed listening to you guys during the crazy COVID time. There hasn't been much to do since COVID other than go on hikes in my, can- in my county here in New Jersey. I've taken you guys along on all of them. Thanks for the company. Here's my good news. My parents who both voted... Uh, for the Orange Monster in 2016, finally broke away in 2020. Yes. My mother chose not to vote, and my father declared with pride that he wrote in SpongeBob SquarePants, which I'll take as a win. (laughs) Although living in a pineapple under the sea would have its problems. To further my good news is both of my parents were against... We're against being vaccinated. Mom is 65. Dad is in his 50s. I finally broke them down with an explanation of RMA vaccines. It's incredibly possible that they were just tired of hearing me go on and on about how important it is to be vaccinated. Either way, I'll take both wins. Thanks for doing what you do. Here's a photo of our Boston. Her name is Ruthie Esmeralda. I added the middle name as a joke when we had her licensed, which seems funny at the time, but not so funny when I'm at the vet and the technician calls for Ruthie Esmeralda in a full waiting room. And everyone looks to see who's the weirdo with the ridiculous dog name. Anywho, thanks. I think it's a great name. I think it's fantastic. I would make, I would write that on my Starbucks cups. (laughs) And she looks, she looks like a Ruthie Esmeralda. She does. She's adorable. Mm. Oh, the happy baby at the end. I know the ears. Boston's are so cute. Oh, that is good news. All right. Next up from Mary, pronoun she and her. My first piece of good news is I was able to watch the live stream of NASA's Perseverance rover landing on Mars last week. I don't know about you, but I want to live long enough to see a peopled mission to Mars. My other piece of good news is that my Girl Scout cookie order arrived safely on my doorstep on Thursday, February 18th, which meant that I was able to munch on Thin Mints and Caramel Delights all weekend. Attached is a photo of Handsome, a betta fish that my husband and I have been pet-sitting for one of our neighbors. Oh my god, that's so cute. This is uh, definitely, since I've been with the team, the first betta fish I've seen. This is the first betta fish I think we've gotten. Nice since you've joined us, yeah. I mean, I've seen a lot of alpha fishes. Just kidding. Um, All right. This, this this next one's from Krista, pronoun she and her. Hello, Leguminati. Thank you so much for helping so many of us maintain our humanity through the last year. Every time that I would listen to the good news, I would think, I wish I had good news. Well, I finally had a moment that brought me joy. I'm faculty at a family medicine residency. Uh, at a pretty prestigious medical school. Family medicine as a specialty has traditionally been treated here as a second-class specialty. So despite the med school rotation through family medicine consistently being the student's favorite rotation, a relatively small number of graduates, five to seven per year, have chosen family medicine as their future specialty. Skip to this year. This year, I got to teach 14 amazing medical students going into family medicine at our residency prep course. That is twice as many as last year. There was a caring, smart, diverse group and so excited to learn. It gave me hope for the future. Family medicine is a specialty that improves health outcomes and provides cost-effective care, especially in the underserved areas. Anyhow, it gave me hope to see these terrific students choosing family medicine over more prestigious and lucrative specialties. As my pet tax, I've included photos of our three cats, Ollie enjoying the return of sunshine at the end of a long winter, O'Malley being his debonair self, and Claire snuggling up. So grateful for pets, they've helped Helped keep us all sane. Oh. Claire is so sweet, all snuggled up. Look at that white one. And the debonair cat in the sunshine. Oh. oh. I mean, I've seen a lot Look of alpha. Oh, the babies. Beautiful kitties. 
Beautiful, beautiful kitty. Thank you so much. That's Sunshine Kitty with the and it's got a little clip ear there. That means I think that it's a rescue kitty, right? When they have the little clip on their ear. Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. That's what it means here in San Diego. I imagine it's everywhere. It's probably universal. Oh my gosh. Just all these photos, the the tall boy wieners. <laughs> oh my god, I love it. <laughs> I always laugh because like corgis obviously they just got the short end of the legs they got the short end of the stick if you will and so i always just imagine that there's like a dog walking around with a normal body and super long legs it's like what the fuck yeah but so. corgis have the best butts in the dog business oh my god corgi butts you can't beat them no you can't beat them best butts in the dog business and you shouldn't beat them they're dogs okay. <laughs> Anyway, thank you so much for sending these in. If you have any good news, photos, anything you want to share with us, um, please feel free. Send it in uh, to us. You can do that at dailybeanspod.com. Click on contact, and then we're going to have a heck of a week. It's going to be interesting. Um, and, you know, uh, I'll be on with Andrew on the stereo app Tuesday at 5. And then, Dana, you you and me will be on the, on the stereo app on Thursday at 5. And that's so much fun. I am looking forward to it. Yeah, it's always a good time. So join us, please. Uh, follow myself. Nope, damn it. Follow me and AB. Uh, AB. AG, the drugs are kicking back in. I need to get more medication. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Follow me. I, I had a, a very gentle correction of not saying myself. So follow me and AG and uh, come join us. Yeah, that's going to be super fun. And we'll see you tomorrow. Everybody, until then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of your mental health and take care of the planet. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is directed, written, and hosted by executive producer Allison Gill and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Audio. Staff writers include Dana Goldberg, Amy Carrero, and Allison Gill. Our copy is written by Jesse Egan, and our marketing manager, executive assistant, and social media director is Kanai. Fact-checking and research by Allison Gill, Dana Goldberg, and Amy Carrero. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder of Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. Hey, everybody, do not miss our Daily Beans after party on the Stereo app. We'll be going live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Dana and I want to hear from you. Our last Stereo show went a little bit like this. And uh, we're here doing our live after party. Daily Beans after party is what they're they're calling it, what the kids are calling it these days. It reminds me of I just watched (laughs) the 30 Rock episode where Liz Lemon was like, uh, out with the Tracy Jordan and he's like are you going to the after 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 party and they end up like on somebody's roof but yeah just finished watching that vote the vote to oust Marjorie Taylor Green from Woo-hoo! her two committees uh, I, I think I was incorrect I think the last time we were here live I said that she was only I thought she was only on one committee she was on two committees she yeah. was on education and labor and also on the budget committee like education what? education she's on the committee of education she was was because she got voted off of education yeah and 11 Republicans voted alongside Democrats to oust her from these seats uh, so we're going to see how the backlash of that plays out. Cause as you know, McCarthy was like, well, what about Maxine Waters and what about so-and-so and they get to keep their committee seats. Like they committed, like they wanted other people to be executed or believed that nine 11 was not real or what, like, come exactly. on, like stop. 
Stereo is the app for live social conversations. We want to talk directly with you, the listeners. Ask us questions about news, politics, anything. And you can share your experiences and opinions, and we want to hear it all. So download the new app called Stereo and join us live this week, Thursday, 5 p.m. Pacific. Link to our show in the description and join us over on the Stereo app.